Good afternoon, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Canon Talk. I'm your host, Morn, and my co-host as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? Battling another week of Corona as we try to get by and stay stay safe. Yeah, because um, I actually heard there were some, you know, you know, rumors floating around about Belgium probably um, calling it into this season. Um, Spain are like also now thinking of going that same route. But I was just thinking um, with regards to this whole thing with, with, you know, whether the season should be then, you know, either ruled null and void or given to whoever the league leaders are. I just like, I mean, this is now, of course, my take, but I just think if the league is almost like on a knife edge, you know, a, a bit the way um, La Liga is going, or I'm not, I'm not sure, I didn't ever look at the Bundesliga, how that's going. Then I think somehow, somehow something has to be, you know, figured out with that. But for me, with regards to the Premier League, if it's now, if push comes to shove and, and they have to make that or they're forced to make a decision, then I mean, with Liverpool's gap over City, I, I mean, I honestly don't think that's, you know, that there's any way City are going to catch up to them. So, I mean, I think there for them, that is where I will, I mean, they'd get my vote to, you know, be worthy champions. Yeah, I think Liverpool do deserve it, you know, as, as it's a bitter pill to swallow to say, ah, oh, no, let's try to keep them away from the title for another year. But, you know, as, as a football fan, you know, mm. you have to be objective. And, you know, they, they were the best team probably in Europe. You know, I think they are the best team at the, in Europe at the moment. And I think it would only be fair to hand them the title. It's not how they would have wanted to do it. But, you know, with this virus, you know, what, 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 can, what can you actually do? I mean, it doesn't seem like it's going to be letting up anytime soon. Because, I mean, even the powers that be, even they are not sure. I mean, they, they're throwing all these dates out. But every time you, you see these, um, you know, the, these uh, expected dates of like when everything commences... And then I think if you throw also, uh, besides that factoring into play, also how long is it going to take to get players in that, right, in that match? Uh, for, you know, uh, that sort of like, frame of mind. But that being said, you know, what you're going to do um, with the Arsenal, I mean, not with Arsenal, with the teams that are fighting for top four, do you just hand them top four now? Because it was coming to a point where Arsenal could have maybe caught up. I'm not saying we, we should have, yeah. but I mean... You know, it's a bit unfair now if... I didn't, I didn't check the log now. I don't know who's in fourth spot. Is it still Chelsea? I'm not sure, but... but um, like, my thing was also... Uh, if you think of Man United hitting this hot streak and then that this whole thing came about, and now, I mean, you don't know if they're going to, you know... Just say now that the league commences again. And they, to- like, caught that totally cold after... Because Luxon said that, that Bruno Fernandes' arrival... They've been like, you know, almost like a, almost like a different animal. And and I think this period when, when they now got their season kind of disrupted now, it's like, you wonder, do, is that the sort of United form that's going to come out again? Or do they get rocked back? And look, Arsenal were also going on quite a decent run. And there were some other teams that were being erratic again, like with, with uh, Spurs and them, you know, missing Son and Harry Kane. And by, by the time... Uh, the league probably commences again. These two guys will probably be fit again for them. Like, I'm just looking at the Premier League log now. Chelsea's in fourth spot. But if that ban stays through for Man City, you know, with having to fall out the Champions League, Man United gets that top spot, that fifth spot, which gives them the Champions League. But if you look at Arsenal, they're five points behind Man United. So with 
about nine games remaining. I mean, you can't give United the Champions League spot or Chelsea the Champions League spot. It just doesn't make sense or it will be unfair because the revenue that comes with it, it's more than just the case of, um, you know, adding the spot. Like with, you could say Liverpool deserve champions, but Champions League spots, there's revenue. Transfers get, you know, are in the balance with that because you can sign a top class star once you get Champions League, but to get it on this technicality, I don't know. They need to maybe come up with a rule of places from maybe three to six or three to ten play like a kind of playoff when the season starts for the Champions League spot. I don't know how they're going to do that, but you know, I don't feel that's fair to just hand it to those candidates. I mean, what I also find strange is, um, you know, the, the way the, the loan deals are also going to be totally wonky now because if you think we've, we've like, say, taken on people like Pablo Marie, Cedric Suarez, um, of course, and Ceballos, of course, we have since the start of the season. But, I mean, how does that now also pan out? Because I think it's going to also be an like administration headache as well. And, and you also don't have a, you know, with the option to buy, you don't, haven't seen the player really play, so you don't have a real, do you really have an option to buy? I think it's just unfair. This virus has literally wrecked everything. And then another question I want to pose, what happens to the relegation battle? Yeah, because, I mean, this is probably the first time in years that Leeds United are actually almost like in pole position to get some sort of uh, promotion. Same goes for West Brom. So, I mean, look, you also know that's going to be a hell of a money spinner as well. So, how does that, you know, how is that going to work out? Because look at, at how Villa, uh, I think with, with their promotion in the playoff final, they got something like $150 million just for the promotion. Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking at this um, log at the moment, 15th place, 29. 16th place, 27. 17th place, 27. 18th place, 27. 19th place, 25 points. There is not a lot of difference there. So you're also going to have to come up with a little playoff there as well for relegation if you want to do it fairly because you can't just tell the team you're relegated now because they still have the room for for catch-up. So, you know, I wouldn't want to be um, in, you know, relegation zone now or... Um, Want to be in your is it UEFA or the FA's decision? You know, it's going to be a lot of controversy. Yeah, because um, if you think even extending the Premier League, you're going easily into, you know, the the what would have been probably the new season. And then how are you going to start? As I said, it's going to be one. Like good luck to whoever's going to do all that sort of uh, thinking and, and and all these uh, figure out all these permutations. Yeah, I, I guess it's going to come down to a case of, you know, you're earning your corn now as those people that's making those decisions now. This is why you're employed for moments like this. So let's now just sway our attention now somewhat to Arsenal things, you know, since we now don't have really matches or whatever to report about. But, I mean, I was just deciding now, shorthand, like I was thinking with regards to Having like you know little topics that you and I can sometimes think out or things that have been playing on our mind regarding Arsenal present, like you know present future or the past squads also. And I mean my the thing that's been floating in my mind so far it's been, you know Arsenal players that they've had the the almost like true potential ruined by injury, and like the two players that, I, that have like you know come to mind for me is Eduardo 
because I mean he was like a true number nine. I think he's the sort of format he was in. Uh, if you look at his goal, like his not only his goals but his contribution to uh, uh, like Arsenal as a squad, because. I mean, the, the sort of things that Yemen and Adebayo were pulling off at times in games where they were dismantling even the best of teams, the two of them. And then the other player also, uh, Abu Dhabi, almost like a colossus in midfield. Uh, you know, almost like somebody that we always wanted, uh, you know, Vieira, eventually replaced by somebody somebody roughly in that sort of mould and, and physique. And I mean, he he kind of did it. And then, then it came that, that, uh, that afternoon when they played Sunderland away. And he got taken out by, I think, the guy's name was Dan Smith or something like that. With a, you know, a very late challenge, I think, was at the end of the game. Which almost like smashed his ankle. And it was like he never, ever recovered from that injury. And same with with, uh, with regards to Eduardo, where his leg got smashed against Birmingham City. And it was like after that, his career just never, you know, got back on, on track again. I agree 100% with you. And... You know, the injury of Eduardo was at the pivotal point of the season. It was almost like, you know, that finishing line stretch. And before that injury, I don't know how you saw it. I mean, I was still a teenager watching it. But I really thought this could have been Arsenal's title to win. I mean, yeah. they just had beaten Everton, a tough Everton side, 4-1. Eduardo got his first two goals. Then, you know, we went on to play, I think it was West Ham. Also, or in good form on a New Year's Day, I think. Yeah. And Eduardo, you know, bagged, I think it was a goal there. And then, like you mentioned, they they went to Man City, who just came off, I think, beating United 2-1 at Old Trafford. And we went to go beat Man City 3-1 at the Etihad with Eduardo, I think, bagging one with Adebayo bagging a brace. So, like you said, you know, they were firing. And I think they saw that finish line at the end. And then, as you mentioned now, that leg-breaking tackle, it psychologically like mental Arsenal and I think Arsenal went on like a two or three game throwing run and they just couldn't yeah. pick themselves up from it. So 100% and Abu Dhabi for me like he, he was very much in fits and starts you know showing his potential and one game that you know rings uh, live a lot to me was 2012-2013 Liverpool game where he absolutely dominated that midfield and you just think like you said you know had he been fit had Eduardo you know, leg break not happened. You know, what could have happened to Arsenal seasons over the years? I mean, I, I just find it uh, like such a shame when you look at also Abu Dhabi. You know, he touted as, as uh, you know, if Fieras eventually replacement also at the France level as well. Because he was just like, I think, starting to break into that national squad. And then with that injury, everything just got set back, you know, literally years. Then. Oh, it's, it's very un. Unfortunate when these things happen, but um, yeah. for me, I, I don't know if you finish with that point, but maybe you can go back into it and then maybe answer something I want to raise. Um, yeah. What do you think possibly was the reason for Arsenal remaining so stagnant in the late 2000s? I mean, we were very close to the Premier League title on a few occasions, but what do you think was Arsenal's stumbling block at the end? Are you talking of at the period where we've already moved to the Emirates or... Yes, yes, sorry, yes. yes the Emirates, just when we got to the Emirates, let's call it from 2007 season yeah. to possibly call it 2010-2011 season. I mean, I think... Uh, look, we touched on it somewhat last week when you brought up the Ars blog interview with Cisk, you know, with, the, with regards to the players and, and, and things like that. You know, we're not of, of whatever calibre that he was now making out to be. 
But I, I just think Arsenal were, as a club, were let down by certain egos in the squad. And then, of course, I think also by the owner. And, and I think Arsenal were almost like left like piggy in the middle. Like, while well, the sort of things were going on where the, the owner is not really pumping in money, like he should be into the club, you know, where we can now uh, get these players in. And, and also with regards to the owner, but also for, like, like people that fall into that same uh, bubble is also Gazidis and Wenger. Because their cautiousness as well was almost like letting us always slip, where every time we were close to getting somebody, we were like uh, nagging, or not nagging, uh, haggling over prices, like where it's like maybe two or three million out. And then we're not going to, you know, put our foot down and then you get the teams like Man City, United, Chelsea, and them all who are now coming into the money and that, you know, just putting their foot down and then saying, boom, we got that player because you guys were stalling too much, we got that player. And then, of course, you take the other, other the side of things with, with regards to the players. I think uh, that is where, yeah, the sort of, you know, remember what you were saying also that of, of the defeat, people are talking about going clubbing and, and doing this and doing that. That is also sort of ego that you do not need at the club, and then I think that that's why those two almost like uh, poles were almost like the thing that was causing us in the, like just leaving us in the middle. And while we were almost like being in this confused type of state, not knowing whether to push or pull, the rest of the league just continued to move on. And that's uh, the same goes goes with with regards to Wenger, where if you think. What he brought to the club from that 95, uh, 96 when he, he was there, it was like, you know, an old breath of fresh air to what the modern game was with, you know, what, let's uh, say, Fergie's onslaught on the on the league and, and stuff like that. But then, of course, the minute Wenger's, the, the coaching and the, the diet and everything that, that was, it, it led us, you know, a good five, seven years on. And then afterwards, the likes of Pep, Okay, and the likes of um, even like you know, of course, okay, I don't really rate say Mark uses a coach, but I mean he got uh, almost like a director of football that was just pumping in my like uh, you know just picking off players from uh, from us and from you know around in the league and, and that's what what made uh, Man City also you know top notch until they went for Pep. But I, I just think we just didn't also move on with the coaching like Wenger was still you know doing the old fashioned way. Uh, like by by the like the seventh or eighth year, it became almost like a uh, like a dying type of thing or old fashioned way of coaching. Whereas, you know that 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 uh, football took again a next step to another level again. Though so that's why the way Charles were chopping and changing coaches every time, and they they may maybe miss out on a season, and they bring in a new coach, and he brings a whole crop of almost like half about roughly half a new team, and they go on for a dominating period. And I think that is where. We've also been let down by the club itself, also like you know, not being or being able to cope with the you know money stakes, as well as with Wenger being in that like almost like an old-fashioned way of coaching. The the only thing they could have been a different you know look to Arsenal, you know, I'm gonna pose something to you as well. Yeah. Had Fabrica stayed one more season when he left to Barcelona, do you think Arsenal could have won the league that season when Robin Van Persie fired that 30 goals and you kept maybe it says Fabregas and somehow kept Nasri in that season? Do you think Arsenal would have gone to go win on, win the title that season and then uh, like you know if, then the, obviously the players would have probably wanted to stay and then you look at the next season Van Persie went to Man United and also you know fired Man United to the title. You look back, you know, 
small margins, like something yeah. so simple. If they had kept, you know, Van Persie and Fabregas for one season, or sorry, Nazri Fabregas linking up with a full, fully fit Van Persie, you kind of then, you know, maybe let's say you could win the league. Then you roll back another year, you bring Santi Cazola in. You know, maybe Fabregas is happy with this and, you know, he stays another season and you maybe, you know, take uh, too well. And then you, the following season, Ramsey was firing like crazy. And, like, you know, winning the titles would have kept the Vampires at Arsenal, would have kept maybe Fabregas a bit longer. And as those small margins that you look back on and you think, you know, had these things happened or Arsenal addressed it sooner, we could have been, you know, one more Premier League or two more Premier Leagues in the bag and yeah. Arsenal would have still been the, oh, like, uh, we're not, we're still a world-class team, but we're not up there as we once were. I just think the minute we went to the Emirates, it was like a, a season or so of, you know, finding our feet kind of there. And, and then, of course, you have to take the debt factor in that it also be paid off since we didn't have now, you know, somebody that's going to really carry that sort of uh, weight you know, with the finances. But I just think that is where Wenger almost like really let slip with that squad in general because, as you mentioned now, we had a solid midfield. We had a, uh, you know, lethal uh, strike force. Even what we had as wingers at the time, they were, you know, doing the job. But I just think Wenger just started really ignoring the defence. And, like, from the goalkeeper as well. Because if you think we had a period where we had people like Almunia and we had people like Senderos and them, and they were making blunder after blunder after blunder and you that's why sometimes I get this this like as I say cultures where you think you see this errors say that that, that period of, of Una Emery that final uh, say quarter of him at, at Arsenal and you saw those sort of errors being played out the same way it was with that period of anger with that defense that he was because it, it, it seemed we always were just patchworking a defense together. It was never a, a team where it was like everybody's comfortable with each other, like from the left back right across to the right back. It was always, there were always these little massive flaws, and it was costing us heavily in games. You know, it's, it just comes down to bad management of funds. I mean, yeah. you know, you, you, you talk about, oh no, you can't spend so much. We don't have the spending power to other sides, but. Look at Liverpool. How much did they spend on Sadio Mane? About 30 million? Yeah. I know it's a it's a gamble, but I mean, you pay 30 million for Sadio Mane. And I, I know I probably brought this up before, but 30 million Sadio Mane, I think 36 million Salah. Firmino didn't cost, you know, an arm and a leg. But yeah. then eventually they did go an arm and a leg for Allison and Van Dijk, which kind of stabilizes the defense. And then you look at the Chelsea side that went 30 million for. N'Golo Kante, and you look at the Arsenal side that at that point had Champions League. Chelsea didn't have Champions League. They got Chelsea paid 30 million for N'Golo Kante. Arsenal paid 30 million or 35 million for Granit Xhaka. I mean, you know, you can't blame fans on that. I mean, we've paid almost 20 million on Lucas Perez. Another 10 million you could have gotten inside your money. So it comes down to mismanagement of funds and your, yeah. your guys at the top level not going for the right players. Recruitment sucks, that's why. You you see, look, why go outside of the league when you can get, like, as you now mentioned with, with Kante, that guy is like a season now, like he's become now a seasoned uh, Premier League player. He's won the title with Leicester City. So why not go for somebody like that that knows the league, whereas Xhaka was doing these, you know, that they're taking people out 
off the ball and whatever. And maybe he could get maybe away with it. He was playing at Gladbach. But I mean, in the Premier League, they're going to pick up every little thing about you. I mean, as much as they need the game flow. But if you're going to do stupid things like that to, to take people out, you're not going to survive. Um, like for me, that's the biggest problem. You look at Fergie's sides, you know, on the Premier League, you know, bringing Rio Ferdinand, where did he come from? Premier League, he strengthened from in, he weakened, I think, was it Leeds United, who were kind of a competitor at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, even Wenger in successful days, bringing a Sol Campbell, who knows the Premier League through and through. That's yeah. where your defence is, that's, that's your rocks, they know the Van Dijk bought within the Premier League. Alderweireld, you know, Edison, um, Southampton, got brought in from within the league. Then you look at Fergie bringing Van Persie across. You know, F- Fergie's had very good signings because not they weren't always like, you know, oh, a world-class player coming, but it was a guy who knew the Premier League and he could probably put in a shift and give you 10 to 15 goals, whereas sometimes Arsenal maybe went for the extravagant option overseas and not proven Premier League-wise, maybe a top player, but not Premier League proven and struggled severely. And that's why we also sometimes struggle to hit the ground running because our players weren't doing it back in the day compared to the mentally strong Robert Perez, Freddie Leungberg, Thierry Henry. It's like Wenger wanted to go back to that, um, almost that type of style again of bringing those European flair to the Premier League. But the Premier League had evolved where, you know, yeah. if you're Premier League ready, you can cope. But if you're not, you're going to struggle for a few seasons. And that's what happened as well, I think, with Arsenal. And it's still happening. I mean, I, I just find... The recruitment has been, you know, it's like we all are so out of touch with that, with the way the recruitment is done. It's like everything is done at the wrong time. Look, you just mentioned now Van Persie joining uh, United, and he was almost like in his prime when uh, Fergie takes him. You take the likes of, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Colo, Nasri, and they were also in their prime. Okay, Cesc, you always knew that was going to eventually happen with that, you know, going back to his hometown club, but. And again, we didn't take up that option of the, you know, buying back clause, which he would have probably joined if uh, Wenger wanted him. But Wenger, you know, said, nah, it's all right, we'll pass. But with the, the point that I'm now just put across is, you take that fact into consideration, and then you think of how we're doing things now. We're taking people like, say, David Luiz, who was not at all planned in with the, with the, with the Chelsea team. So you're not weakening them. You take Socrates... Dortmund already were on the verge of wanting to just get rid of him at that time. We take him, and, and then it's almost like he just walks in as a first team. Um, you take, uh, just like, just so randomly, you take some of the other defenders that we're not talking about. Not, okay, Pablo Maria's probably impressed me most. But, I mean, you take Cedric Suarez, he's almost like on the verge of either being injured at, at Southampton or really, like, with one foot out, because I, I don't think they are going to renew his, his uh, contract. So he's a free agent come end of the season, whenever the season does end. And then also, you, you look at the rest of the squad, it's like, we are not bringing people, like, the like, same with, with Mustafi. He was never really pinned in as, as a, a, say, a stalwart of, of Valencia. So they were very eager to get rid of him. And for us to just throw uh, like 35 million at, at Valencia for him, was him, <coughs> excuse me, being quite injury prone, not injury prone, uh, uh, um, mistake, you know, prone to make mistakes and stuff like that in, in vital games. So, our, that's why I say our recruitment is very bizarre. And I think that's also where it has left us with a, a defense that looks like what we have right now. 100%, because 
if you look at, you know, that, that thing you mentioned now with bringing Cesc back. At the time, if you imagine you brought Cesc back, you avoid him going to Chelsea. He played a big part of the assists for Chelsea that season, if you can recall. You bring him back to Arsenal. You you have the option now. You bring Fabregas back. You have Alexis Sanchez, who's also joined you now, who, who actually had a massive impact that season. Then you add a solid defensive midfield because at that time Koscielny and Mertesacker were doing relatively okay you add a solid defensive midfielder where you break the bank as well and you kind of sitting with you have the option of either playing a solid defensive midfielder with Fabregas and Uzel, a solid defensive midfielder with Fabregas and Cazola or you have the option of playing maybe Cesc as a deep lying midfielder or Cazola with a proper defensive midfielder, which at the time Coughlin didn't do too badly when he broke in. So you look at that, they missed out on having a solid team. Can you imagine having Fabregas, Ozil possibly, even a Ramsey with Alexis Sanchez, um, Giroud, or not even Giroud, Alexis Sanchez, and you, you kind of play almost around Sanchez with that midfielders working around him, running into spaces. You know you missed a treat there because Fabregas, you probably would have got him also on a cheap, on a 35 million but like you said, you almost spent 30 million on Mustafi. Does that make sense? And I mean, if you, uh, um, I was just thinking of, of an interview that they had with Patrick Vieira some years back. It was, I think, just after he stopped, I think, playing football. And he was being interviewed and he was asked, like, you know, you're not playing under Wenger. What was his biggest strength and his biggest weakness? And Vieira just said one word, his ego, like two words, his ego. And you know, it, it is so true because I think that is when, like, Wenger felt hurt that, that Fabregas was, like, you know, kind of stabbed him in the back, took that uh, offer to go to Barcelona or kind of forced his way to, to get that move. And then I think it was when, like, his way of, like, showing, I'll show you now. You know, if when, when, it, when it didn't now work out in Barcelona and the option was now there for him to take him back, then it was when, like, I might need you, but I'm not. I'm like, this is going to probably show a sign of weakness, like, in his mind now. But I think Arsenal fans would have probably taken him back. Yeah, we would have, I would have forgiven him. You know, I would have definitely forgiven Fabregas to come in and strengthen the squad. You know, no brainer. Instead, he goes to Chelsea and wins two Premier League titles. So, yeah. And I think also, like, with with regards to how we we chose the because look, the sort of flag that that we got from from the like as, as like from the fan base and that when. Arsenal did that whole fire sale, uh, fire uh, that the spending spree uh, after that eight-two defeat to to United, where they brought Mertesacker, that uh, Benayoun was brought in on loan, um, Arteta, yeah. And then you think to yourself, you could have actually with that. Uh, I'm not saying all of them because Andre Santos was a fail, that Park was like a fail. Um, maybe so. Like Benayoun was very inconsistent, but I mean the. Out of all that, a person did get the gems. Like, Mertesacker was a hard worker and that Arteta always gave his all. So, I mean, you could see that affinity that he still has for the club, even after, you know, being so long at, at, at uh, Everton. And that. But, I mean, he still holds Arsenal closer to his heart. But um, I just think to myself, there they, we are, like, as a club, missed the trick. Because from there, you could have already built on, like, you know, getting somebody extra to... to Almost like keep the heat on the likes of Koscielny and Mertesacker because look, at times they did do a decent job together, but sometimes they also needed that sort of competition that you know that can, can put a fire under the backside. We have that, that that solid competition amongst like the, even the old defense. 
But it's all like we were always left short wherever, if you look at it around the defence. Look, look how long it took for, say, someone like Bellerin to come to the fore. And because we, we never really replaced uh, somebody like, say, Lauren after that, you know, that period. Or, or same with, with Ashley Cole. We never really had a consistent left back at that, that sort of calibre. Because I think that's the sort of players or the level of players we should be looking at that they can think to yourself, okay, we can finally move on from the Ashley Coles. We can finally move on from Lauren and them. But it's like, right now, it's like, you think, because look, I look at Bellerin and I don't see him as somebody that's going to be almost like a future right back that's going to, you know, take us wherever. Because there's a lot of flaws to his game. And I mean, everybody saw, he, he can't cross to save his life. I mean, I'm sorry to be harsh about it, but he cannot cross a ball. <laughs> um, I just, yeah, like you mentioned, they, they just haven't replaced the guys that did the job. I mean, Ashley Cole, Gail Clichy was a good guy, but look at Gail Clichy, Birmingham, James McFadden in the 90th minute, you know, yeah, let, let, the, let the ball go out. or like you know, he, let, he ends up um, not knowing his surroundings and air kicks, you know, and he kicks James McFadden instead. Penalty 2-2 on the day where Arsenal could have, you know, pushed on to win the title. You look at Almunia, also Birmingham City, Arsenal are in pole position to challenge for the title and he kind of pushes the ball into his own net, you know, with a meaningless shot. So, Arsenal have, have, have like you said, haven't replaced people with proper, you know, stalwarts in the position and, you know, those individual errors over the years have cost Arsenal as a club many trophies. Because I, I still think the, the sort of people that we've got, um, you know, like, if you take Gazidis, for me, he was never up to scratch if somebody's going to be a director of football. And for me, it's starting to work or play out also where you saw that certain potentials of Raul Salnihi, but I think long-term, Arsenal should be also looking for somebody that has a, you know, a more stable grip on transfers and stuff like that. Because I just think the money is being, you know, almost like we're bleeding almost like money away in the, in the transfer market. 100%. I mean, you know, Pepe has been good, you know, and he could come to be a world-class player. But at the time, you know, you're spending $72 million on him. Maybe you could have spent it on Zaha, who knows the Premier League and would be surrounded by a stronger team and maybe could produce excellent results. But you spend it on Pepe, you know, he come, who fell very, at the moment, not up there yet with where he's supposed to be. And also, we could have maybe also used that money on another centre-back, you know, top, top-class uh, centre-back. Because I was really surprised. I mean, I don't know if you remember when we did that at that latter po- uh, podcast of the season 20, uh, what's it, 18, 19. And we were saying, like, you know, ambitions for the new season, stuff like that. And I was honestly thinking we are going to go big on a centre-back. Uh, really, I, I did not... When they said, yeah, Pepe, Arsenal's going in for Pepe at 72 million, I thought, what? I mean, you don't like you want to go into a new season with more like a shiny new toy... But you still got the defense that's like a total mess at the back. It's like it's like was buying a Ferrari, but there's no engine in it yet. You just want to have the the Ferrari, but you don't want the engine to keep it moving. Yeah. So it's, yeah. yeah, it doesn't make sense. Like they say, you know, strikers win new games, but defenses win new titles. And I mean, if if you think uh, like people like say Gary Cahill were offered to the club, then two or three years ago it was. Johnny Evans, okay, I, I must be honest. I mean, I scoffed at that idea. But, I mean, when you look at Johnny Evans in a game nowadays when he plays for Leicester, he does organize. I mean, he like he does not uh, have the speed because, I mean, that's where Soyuncu comes again in for Leicester. 
But I mean, the, the, the keeping the calmness in the defense, showing that solidity, and also being like an attacking threat as well when need when need be when they have to push up like for corners and that. But I mean, other than that, I'm thinking so. I mean, even Kyle, the, the, when you watch him play certain teams, I mean, yes, he's lost a lot of pace, but you can't deny that he still knows how to, you know, organize the defense. He knows how to, you know, a boss a game at the back, especially when they come up against like creative players. We should have signed him when he was at Bolton already, you know. But you 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 miss out on that, and then you know Wenger then has to panic by a motorcycle, like you said. But instead, you know, a season before that, he probably could have got Kale for five ten million because he was in his final year of contract. So <laughs> you like, know, I'm just thinking, like, where did Andre Santos fit in this team <laughs> <laughs> to find somebody like that? Then, then I mean, I just. Like watching him even play, you think, like, what does he actually bring to the table? Because he could like burst forward, and then he was even slower than say what we have now. Say with Colosinus, he could not even defend when he come back. He was like desperately just running by the halfway line. Mind you, he did do that dancing celebration when he scored past Chelsea, <laughs> and that when he scored that goal. And I think I think he was part of that three-two win on West Brom the last day of the season to get us third spot. So. <laughs> I mean, you can, you can look at it that way and say Finger was a genius. <laughs> okay, so I think that will be it now for the podcast. Um, I think, as I said, we're probably going to see how we can always put some things together and, and, you know, make something out of this, like what's happening out also like with the current football these days. So, I mean, I just wish you guys a fantastic weekend. Stay safe. Hope you guys keep well. Bye. Stay safe and stay healthy, guys.